Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message today is the gospel lesson, the account given to us of Jesus coming to the Emmaus disciples, of the disciples on the way to Emmaus. Well, Mamie Adams was at her local post office, and it was Christmas time, so the line was really long, and she was way back. And someone else in line noticed that all she was there for was to get a couple stamps. And so they pointed out, you know, there's a machine over there. That'll give you the stamps. And Mamie replied, yeah, I know, but the machine won't ask me about my arthritis. <laughs> she likes a personal touch. And don't we all, to a certain extent, like a, a personal touch? A, a personal idea of understanding who we are and, and knowing our needs and being for, there for us in the midst of our needs. And I find that striking as we look at these appearances that we have of Jesus following the resurrection. We have a group of people who receive news of the resurrection, but it's in different ways over these last three gospel lessons. We have the women on Easter morning, they go to the tomb, and God sends angels to them to let them know that, the, that Jesus was alive. Last week we heard about the disciples locked for, behind doors because of fear. And Jesus appears to them, and not only does he appear to them, but he also breathes on them and gives the Holy Spirit and sends them out to forgive. And then later, Thomas wasn't there, and the following week he invites Thomas to come and touch his hands and his side. Notice how our Lord deals with each of them individually, as they need. And don't we see this in the Gospel lesson for today? We have two men walking on the road to Emmaus who have seemed to give up hope. But the Lord meets them where they are and guides them back. And we're reminded that this is the way the Lord operates. So we're going to go back over the, the gospel lesson and see how our Lord deals with these disciples and be reminded that this is how the Lord works. He works in coming to his people and deals with them where they are, including you and me. And so if we go back to the text, what we really see here is that Jesus seeks. He seeks after those whom he loves. Because Luke tells us that there's two disciples that are going on the way to Emmaus, leaving Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, Luke, Luke tells us that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And it's clear that the disciples have given up hope. We just asked them, they looked sad. It's clear from the conversation that, that they, they had given up hope about what was going on. And what we really understand with these two disciples is they're Head in the wrong direction, are they not? They're, they're leaving Jerusalem, the place where the Lord is appearing, and they're on the path to, to, to a loss of hope. They're, they're on a path that leads away from, from the hope and the love of the Lord. And the appearance of our Lord is the Lord seeking after them with a personal touch. He's going to guide them back, is he not? And this is how the Lord operates. Just as the Lord comes after the, those disciples, does not the Lord come after you? And isn't this the joy of, of knowing that we have a resurrected Lord? The joy of the resurrection is not only that, that Jesus lives and, and we have the promise of our own resurrection, but we have a Lord that lives and can seek after us where we are. And the Lord comes to you. And by your very nature, you are headed on the wrong road. We're, we're born sinful and unclean and, and, and in a direction away from God. And even after our Lord comes to us, does not the world, our sinful nature, and Satan try to draw us down a different path? Doesn't the world want us to follow the path of our desire, our will, what we want, which is in contradiction to the will of God? We need the Lord to come after us, and he does. That's what our risen Lord does. 
But not only does the Lord seek, but we also see that the Lord waits. I find it really striking because the whole purpose of this, as we put it on the whole, is, is Jesus is revealing himself as the risen Lord to these disciples, right? Yet, how does he start out? By hiding who he was from them. Now, now that first doesn't make sense to us, does it? But isn't our Lord waiting for the proper time? Are we not to see in this the patience that our Lord has? He's not going to reveal himself as the risen Messiah until he's had an opportunity to explain to these men who the risen Messiah is and what he had come for so that they have a proper understanding of who he is and what he has done. He's going to wait for the proper time. Because what's the Lord's concern? The Lord's concern about these people is their eternal salvation. He's going to wait for just the right moment, just the right time for their life and for their salvation. And that's the way the Lord operates with you. You ever get impatient on the Lord, waiting for him to do what we think he should do and to accomplish what he should accomplish? We, we all do at one time or another. But we are to keep in mind that our Lord is patient because he has a different goal than we do. When we're impatient, what are we worried about? The now. We want it now. We want it now. Right at this very moment. We're not worried about tomorrow, next week, or next year. Let alone eternity. And yet that's what the Lord is always worried about. He's always worried about your eternity. Your eternal life and salvation. Everything that our Lord does, especially in His timing, is for your eternal salvation. And he's willing to wait to make sure things are done right and proper. Things happen at the proper time. And so again, as we return to the text, not only does it the Lord who seeks, not only is the Lord who waits, but now we see the Lord do a very loving thing. The Lord listens. Is there a more personal touch than that? It's interesting that, that the Lord comes up and he walks beside them, and he kind of asks them about what they're talking about. And they're kind of shocked. Everybody knows what we're talking about. It's what everybody's talking about. Who doesn't know? Are you the only foreigner who doesn't know what's going on? But Jesus then gives them an invitation when he says, What things? Isn't he opening the door, inviting for the disciples to pour out their hearts, to reveal to the Lord everything that they've been thinking, everything that they've gone through, and all their hopes, all their dreams, everything that's on their heart. And isn't that what they do? They explain the events, but they explain the events in a real emotional way. Uh, thinking that, that, that we thought he, this was the one. It's very clear what was going on in their mind. And so the Lord, in a loving way, listens. Because these men are disappointed. Things haven't turned out the way that they wanted it to do. But what they're doing as they pour out their heart is they're also pouring out their misunderstanding. Their failure to really understand what the Lord was intending to do and what he had accomplished. And the Lord is also giving them an opportunity to, to tell it all out so that there could be a contrast now between what they thought and what they were expecting to what really did happen. The Lord reveals it. He sets up a stage so that they can listen to him. And the Lord that loves you does the same thing for you. He listens. He invites you to pray. He invites you to come to him, to pour out your heart, to pour out whatever is on your mind. And in so doing, don't we also set out our own misunderstandings, our own failures? We set it all out there, and the Lord willingly hears and eagerly hears. And in so doing, 
He's preparing for us to listen as well. Because it's all about a conversation. Speaking to the Lord, but, but hearing the Lord speak to us through his word. And so we have a Lord that seeks, a Lord that waits on us, a Lord that listens, but also a Lord that speaks to us. Having listened to the disciples, we are now told, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What a wonderful Bible study that would have been to be at, right? The Lord taking them through the entire scripture, Old Testament, saying, all of this is about me and, and how these things pointed to Christ. He, he takes them, their misunderstanding and now corrects it, right? They, they've already poured out what their expectation is, but now our Lord tells them that they had misunderstood. They were waiting for the redemption of Israel, but the redemption of Israel wasn't about this powerful nation and this powerful king coming in with a sword and with an army to conquer the enemy. The redemption of Israel was about the Messiah who would come and suffer. And suffer before he receives his glory. To suffer for the sins of the world. Before he won for them forgiveness, life, and salvation. It's about a Lord that, that, that doesn't just conquer, but a Lord that loves. And a Lord that brings forgiveness and a Lord that brings joy. And so our Lord spoke through the scriptures with them. And isn't that what the Lord does to us? as we sit down and we open up the Word of God, as we gather around that Word of God as we do today, are we not reminded of how the Lord, are we not present where the Lord speaks to us? Because of a proper understanding of who Jesus is. Because we sometimes get this mixed up. We sometimes get it mixed up about who we are and who God is. But the Lord makes clear that, that we by nature are sinful and unclean and that we need forgiveness. That the coming of the Lord is a coming to bring us forgiveness, to bring us life, to bring us salvation. Then having done that, to give us a guide on how to live. A guide that focuses on loving our, our Lord, but also loving our neighbor. Of being kind and not focusing on ourselves, but focusing in on the world around us. You see, the true purpose of our Lord is to bring life and eternal salvation. But now we're getting to the end. We have a Lord that seeks, a Lord that waits, a Lord that listens, a Lord that speaks. But now a Lord that reveals. Finally, we get to the point where he reveals himself. Now the time is right. Now having gone through the scriptures, now the disciples are ready to know that Jesus is risen from the dead. And so Luke tells us, when he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Notice where the power to recognize Christ comes from. It comes not from the disciples, but from God. The Lord opened their eyes. The Lord prepared them for this moment so that they would they open their eyes, were open, they recognized who Jesus was, that he was their Savior. And, and notice, they're changed. A couple moments ago, they had said to Jesus, well, you can't go any further. It's really late in the day. It's tired. You really need to stay here. What do these disciples now do? They go back seven miles to Jerusalem. And, and there isn't any loss of hope now, is there? Isn't that seven-mile trek back one with joy? That they're excited that the Lord is risen. Now they have hope. Now they have meaning. Now they have purpose. They were going in the wrong direction. The Lord has guided them back. And in so doing, had given them hope. In so doing, gave them purpose to their life. Gave them joy as they share the news of the fact that Jesus had risen. And the disciples share their news. And together, they celebrate the fact that they have a risen, living Lord with them. And so it is with us. 
We don't come to the Lord on our own. The Lord comes to us. He opens our eyes to see who He is. He opens our eyes to realize that He is our Savior, and we are changed. We are given purpose in our life. We're given joy in our life. We're given the ability to share the love of the resurrected Lord with others. That we no longer live for ourselves, but we live in a life by, with God, with all the gifts that He has given, in honor of Him, to love those God has placed in our life, to worship Him and to give thanks to Him. Our life has changed. We have hope. We're not brought down by the world and its, and its sin and all the things that, that, that touch upon us in this life. We have a joy in the midst of it. Because we know that we have a living Lord who is with us, that we are not alone. And we can love Him and we can love our neighbor. Again, one of the joyous things about reading this account is seeing how our Lord dealt with the disciples in such a unique way. And He does that throughout the Scriptures. That's one of the, the beautiful things as you read through the Scriptures and you study Christ, that He deals with people where they are in a different way. It's never the same. And so it is with you. The Lord deals with you as you need him to. He comes to you as you are. And he brings what you truly need. His love, his peace, his forgiveness, and his joy. And together, we celebrate that. That fact that we have a risen Lord who leads and guides us and offers us eternity. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith to life everlasting. Amen.